One of our traditions here at church is often having the turkey bowl. When your heart says yes and your body says no, for a lot of men, they should probably just listen to their body rather than their heart. They come out and they face the battle. Um, I remember in college a couple different times, uh, spiritually, where there were a few moments where I was, I was really struggling. There was one time where I had just gotten to the point where uh, just spiritually I was tired of going to chapel every day and trying to listen. And I just I had a bad, bad heart attitude. And I got, tried to get my heart right and said, okay, Lord, I need to make, a, make it a pointer in chapel to, to really pay attention. And so I, my, heart was, my heart was at the point where I need some personal revival, need to get, need to get things and, and did that. But it was also at the time when it was baseball season and it was of security, and there was, I was trying to work a little bit extra and some extra money to buy that thing called a ring at the time. And, you know, so you're, you're doing all this, and you're getting tired, and, and I was tired. We're sitting in chapel, and, uh, well, I don't remember. This, is, this has been relayed to me of what happened. Uh, apparently, I, but I do remember that I was, uh, I was, uh, I'd fallen asleep, and uh, I was dreaming. I remember vividly dreaming about a baseball game, and I remember that I was up to bat. And uh, I just I remember thinking about that, and you know, so we're up to bat in the in the game, and things are going well. And I had on my lap, I'd have my Bible on my lap. And do you ever like really just get to a point in your dream where you feel like you know you're actually you end up doing something physically that you don't realize? Apparently, I took my Bible. I was up to bat. And it was sitting on my lap, and apparently I like swung and threw my Bible all the way down, sort of like that, down the row, right in the middle of chapel. And so everybody from the back third of the chapel just lost it in the middle of the message, and everybody's laughing. I had no. I woke up, and they're all looking. I'm like, oh no, I know I did something. Had no clue. My body, my my mind, my heart was willing. I needed to pay attention. My body was completely weak. I also remember another time where I was. I had just committed to the Lord. I said, I need to get up early. I need to spend time in prayer. I need to spend time in devotions. It was just an area that I needed to, to grow in in college. So um, I intentionally, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get up at five. Because for some reason, it was the spiritual time to get up. All the, all the preachers would come through and say, like, I get up at five in the morning and spend time. And I'm like, okay, so it must be five o'clock. So I, I got up early that morning. I remember reading and I remember praying and spending time in prayer. And then I remember waking up and looking and saying, I am late to Greek class. And I'm not only late to Greek class, I started doing the math. I missed my second hour class too. And oh, it's time for chapel. So I better run to chapel. Well, I ran to chapel, got to, you know, got ready, got to chapel. And I just, I had this pounding headache and I did not know why. Well, what it was, was we had one of these nice, we had went to a, like a Salvation Army thrift store and got one of those nice 50s or 60s tea, uh, chair that had the nice uh, braided cord along the edge of like all the cushions. And when I had fallen asleep, I had fallen asleep with the braided cord straight across my forehead. So when I got there, everybody started laughing. I'm like, what's going on? I had imprinted the braided cord and it took over half of the day for that imprint of the braided cord on my head to, to go away. My heart was willing. My, my flesh was weak. I was tired. There, there are moments in our lives. Well, in Mark, Mark chapter 14, we're going to come to a familiar moment where 
the body was willing, but the flesh was weak. It's interesting. Most of us as Christians would not argue that we need to, we, we need to, to be praying and the importance of prayer in our lives. But an interesting research uh, recently by Pew says that 55% of Americans claim to pray every day. Now that does not, that includes all sects of uh, religions. But it's, in the research it said 60% of Christians claim to pray every day, which means that 40% don't. Uh, 21% of Christians say they pray once or twice a week. 23% of Christians say they seldom, if ever, pray. And that's, that's a, just a, a, year, a poll that's a, a year old. In the group of praying Christians, 65% of those that responded in this, this uh, poll, those praying were 65 and older. We, we need to be people of prayer. We would argue that. But do we practice what we say is so important? In Mark 14, you get to, you get to one of the few times that Mark deals with the, uh, the concept of prayer and dealing with, with Jesus in prayer. So it's a tale of two prayers, really, when you look at it. There's Jesus, who's going to pray, and then you're going to have the three who, who don't pray. He, he leaves some of the disciples back. He takes Peter, James, and John with him. Why Peter, James, and John? I, I think not just because of the, the inner three and they were close, but if you remember just previous in this passage, chapter uh, 14, verses 29 to 31, Peter is talking about, I'm not going to deny you. I'm not, I'm, I am there by your side. I am here for you, Jesus. Though everybody else may, I, I will not. James and John, earlier in Mark 10, they made that, that proclamation that we can, we can endure your, the, the, the cup. We can, we can go through. We can take the wrath. We can do that with you, Jesus. We can identify with you. So these are, these are three men who made a commitment to Jesus and saying, we are there for you. We, we can be by your side. So Jesus takes them with him in order to, to go a little bit further and to, to go into to prayer. And there are, there are many reasons to pray, but Mark's going to highlight just a few here, truths about the Lord and about these three and their prayer. And as we look at it, I think we can, we can look and say, when faced with distress, trouble, and even deadly sorrows, pray. That's where, where Jesus is at. Um, verse 32, he says, that when he came to the place named Gethsemane, which really interesting, it means oil press or the, the pr- place where they press out the oil. And it's interesting that this is the place that Jesus is going to go and he's going to be pressed. And it's going to be a, 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 a deep pressure on him uh, spiritually. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I, while I shall pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John, and they be, he began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. The, the word amazed here is the idea of distressed. It's not like, whoa, I'm amazed. But it actually has the concept of Jesus is being distressed. He is in heavy, very heavy. He's extremely troubled in, in this situation. And Christ is going to take this intensity and he's going to, to give, it, give his prayer to be an intense prayer. The, uh, he says that he was sore amazed, very heavy. And then he says, my soul exceeding sorrowful until death. He's talking about the extent of the sorrow that he is facing, the difficulties that he's, he's challenged with. He is going to go to Gethsemane. He's going to go to prayer and he's going to talk about the extent of the struggles that he is facing. And he meets the intensity of his prayer or of his desires and needs with an intense prayer. He, it, Mark makes it specific to talk about he fell down in prayer. 
It's not, it's not a praise prayer. It is not a prayer of standing in exaltation as many would have done during that day. But it is one where he falls down before the Lord in, in agony and in, in anguish, coming before him and saying, I, I have this with, you, with me. His intense distress was overcome by his intense prayer because by the time you get to the end, he matter-of-factly, he understands, my, I'm betrayed, it is time. And he's able to accept God's will, as he'll talk about in a second. Christ's prayer was not just intense. Christ's prayer was familial. He calls Jesus or God Abba. And he said, unto, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. That idea of Abba is that he is that caring Father. He is the one who is there. And, and for some, you may look, well, I don't know what that's like because I didn't have a caring father. Well, then, then God is the opposite of if you had the most uncaring father, the complete opposite. God is that, that loving father. He is daddy. He is papa. He is there and he's saying, come, listen. And I, he has that bent. So how do we go to prayer? We go to him like the hurting child. We go to him with our, with our requests. Look, the, the request isn't from Jesus. He looks and says, if it's possible, Dad, if it's possible, take this away. Re- remove this from me. And he, he, the father is eager to listen. So there's an intensity about his prayer. There's a familial aspect. When we go to God, going as our father, with that, with that in, in mind, Christ's prayer was an improbable prayer. He, he understood what he was up against. He understood what was coming. He's like, if this is possible, he understood that it, it wasn't. But if it would be, can you, can you take this away? Is there any other possible way in your providence, God, that, this, that I could... He, he looks and he, he asks this improbable prayer. Do you ever find yourself in prayer or before you're going to prayer saying, is this really worth praying for? Is it, it, can, it, can this cancer really be healed? Can, can this biopsy really come back in a good way? Can, can this person really get saved? And we, we sometimes find ourselves rationalizing away our prayers because we see them from our human perspective as improbable. But with God, if we say all things are truly possible, we can bring them to him. We, we bring him those prayers. The, uh, this type of prayer, it shows, it showed, Christ's prayer to God showed that he trusted in God's omnipotence. He, he looks and says, all things are possible for you. You can do this. He understood that. And as we go to God with our improbable prayers, it's still a trust. It is still a look and to say, okay, God, you are able. A prayer, one, one author wrote it this way, prayer which asks God to change his mind are not insubordinate, but they actually exude trust that God listens to prayers and grants requests that can be reconciled in his providence. To look and to say, it doesn't seem, God, I, I don't know how this can work out. But you are God. And I trust in your omnipotence. I trust in your divineness, your, your providence, that you are in control. He states his desire. He states his desire to be spared from the trial. To, to go to God, when we go to God in prayer tonight, to go to him with some of the, the seemingly improbable requests that we have. And say, God, this is what we desire. And we know that you are, with you it's possible. But he wraps it up with, he, he does look and say, I'm going to accept God's will. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but what you would do. 
And so we come to God asking for the improbable, asking him to work in an amazing way, but being willing to submit and say, God, you're in control and we're going to trust that what you do and, and whatever you choose, give me comfort, give me strength. Christ is met here with a deafening silence from heaven. He doesn't, he doesn't get a, this is my beloved son. In fact, he, he finishes, he hears nothing. He goes back, he comes back and prays again, he hears nothing. And yet he's still going to willingly continue to pray, pray to God. Christ's prayer was intense, it was familial, it was to improbable, it was continual. Notice in verse number 39 that Mark just simply says, and he went away after he comes back to the disciples and he's going to go away, and he prayed and he spoke the same words. Did you ever get to, did you ever get, you know, we'll do prayer night here. And in about 15 or 20 minutes, you're feeling like, oh, man, I've prayed forever and I've went through the entire list. Now what do I do next? Well, we could follow Christ's example and pray the same thing and go right back through that list again. But isn't that, isn't that vain repetition? I don't want to be guilty of that. The Bible says don't be... The vain repetition is that I, it's just, you're not even thinking about what you're saying. You're just doing these things wrote over and over and over and over again. I think we can be guilty of vain repetition just praying the very first time because we don't, Lord bless the missionaries and Lord bless the pastors and Lord bless the people in the church. And, and that's the way we pray every single Wednesday night. We just think about the same, same things with, in vain just repeating ourselves. But Christ goes back and speaks the same words and does it again. Probably it looks like for about three hours. Asking for the same types of thing, the strength, the, the difficulties, the, 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 the remission from that. He, he, he begs for it. What else can we learn? When faced with distress, when faced with trouble and deadly sorrows, partner in prayer. For some of you, you're going through extremely difficult times. And it's very easy for us to just say, well, I'll just keep that to myself. What does Christ do when he is in distress? If the Lord of the universe seeks out prayer partners, shouldn't we? He says, okay, you three, come with me. I need you to come with me. I need you to watch. I need you to tarry here. I need you to pray with me. I need you to pray for yourselves. I need you to pray to prepare. And so he partners in prayer with, with these disciples. Christ desired the, the close ones to pray with him. Do we desire for each other to pray with us? When someone gives a request, do we look at that and take that personally and saying, one of our body, one of our members is hurting and they're begging us to pray with them. Sure, it might not be right next to them, but corporately looking and saying, this is an important time. This is a time when we partner together in prayer the way that Christ desired for them. What, why was the disciples' prayer beneficial? In verses 34 and 38, he's going to talk about that. He says, one, it's, it's to help Jesus. And, and you look in verse 38, he's going to go a little bit further. But he says that prayer prepares believers for future trials. As you're praying for individuals, you're thinking about, Lord, give me strength. If I were to go through that, Lord, I, I'm going to need your strength one day. I might face that same trial. And that's okay to be praying that way and to be thinking about it. Jesus looks at them and says, you, you need to, to pray for yourselves lest you enter into temptation. You're about, you, it's on the cusp. You don't know when it's coming, Peter. You don't know when it's coming, James, John. It's, it's on your doorstep. But you need to be praying and you need to be praying and it's going to help prepare you for the future. It's going to prevent the apathy in believers. 
It's going gonna, it's gonna get to you, get you rolling. It's going to get you fired up to be praying for one another. He says it gets you, to, gets you ready. This, the spirit's truly ready. The flesh, it's weak. And, and you want to do these things. But your, your, your body says no. Or you get tired. Prayer, getting involved in it, it helps our spirit to keep going forward. It gives us that strength that we need. He says, prayer encourages the distress. That's what Jesus was longing for. And it's interesting in verse 41, he gets now, he gets to the end. He says, sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. He's, in other words, you're still sleeping. Enough. It's done. Let's, it, the time is at hand. And Jesus wanted them to be an encouragement. The sad thing is, is that lack of prayer can be a discouragement. You know, if someone asks you to pray and, and we never pray, and then, you, then we avoid talking to them because, well, I didn't really pray for them. I didn't want to tell them that I didn't pray for them. That could become a discouragement. If someone asks for prayer and then they see that nobody prays, that discourages us as believers to, to even want to share those requests again. So we want to be the encouragement. We want to be, and, and I know here, I don't, think, I don't think we're in that percentage. It seems like a lot here we pray. But to look and to say, this is a way we can encourage one another. We can bear one another's burdens. We can comfort one another through our dedicated time of prayer that, that we take over the next few. And so the third point, when asked to partner in prayer for others, pray. Pray. That's what the disciples were, were doing. Mark's focus in this text is not solely on Jesus. We could just look and say, pray how Jesus prayed. But he, he refers to Jesus' words one time, but he talks about going back to the disciples and going back to the disciples and going back to the, and what are their responses and what is Christ's response to the disciples. So from the disciples, we can learn, and I believe prayer is not our natural default. It's not where we, we naturally go to. It is a spiritual battle. It is a, it is a toil. It is an endeavor that we need to take on. To, to say, oh, my heart is, I, I want, my spirit is willing. But my natural, my natural fleshly default is not to go to prayer. My natural default is to figure it on my own, to sort of leave it out there and whatever happens, happens and, and go with it. That's my fleshly default. But to look and say, this is an important time. These next 30, 40 minutes that we spend in prayer is such an important time. If it is not the default of our church, we are going to struggle as believers and struggle as a church. We need to be a church of prayer. Praying and uplifting one another. Uplifting each other in prayer and in, and in struggles. Prayer and spiritual alertness is lies beyond our strength. Your flesh, your heart. We're all, we're all sitting here and saying, that's right, we need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray. We need to pray like Christ. We need to be intense about it. We need to be familial. We need to pray for the things that seem improbable. We need to do this continually. We need to be about it. But it lies beyond my natural strength. The, the Puritans, they, they wrote about it. They called it the prayer fortification. And they would often pray before they would go to prayer. They would pray, and the, the prayer went similar to, Lord, give me the strength to focus. Lord, give me the strength to enter into this battle. They prayed for their lives to be fortified before they even went into prayer because they understood that when they got on their knees physically or, or mentally before, spiritually before the Lord, they were entering into spiritual battle. So he said, Lord, prepare us. We're about to do war. 
We're about to come before you on behalf of our friends, on behalf of our missionaries, on behalf of our, our church. We need to be spiritually strengthened. Lord, give us the fortification to, to go forward. Spiritual drowsiness is a failure to realize how crucial the moment is. The disciples didn't catch that. Jesus' heart is heavy. The disciples' eyelids were heavy. They didn't catch that this was the moment. This was the time. And as we, you look at the rest of the passage, we know what happens. Christ is arrested. The disciples, where do they end up going? They're gone. They're fleeing. The struggle is present. It is crucial. We are at a time for our church, for our country, for our body of believers. We're at crucial moments where we need to be deeply embedded into prayer, invested into that time. Because when it comes down to it, we are the prayer partners that our body needs. We are the prayer partners that our missionaries need. We are the prayer partners that our community needs. We are the prayer partners that one another needs. That's why we share these requests. That's why we take the time to listen to missionary updates. And so as we take the time tonight to say, all right, Lord, there's a lot of requests in our body. There's a lot of people hurting deep sorrows, struggles, to go before the Lord, praying the improbable prayers. They may not seem possible to us, but with God it is possible to submit to his will, to go behalf of our missionaries who may be struggling, who need strength. Lord, just give me strength to pray for strength, for wisdom, for decisions as they're on the, the, the battlefield, just like you are on the battlefield. Lord, give us the ability today as we, we pray for our college students, as we pray for our kids, as we pray for our neighborhood, that they, they would get saved. To look and say, this is time right now for us. Not to check a box off, but for us as a body of believers to come together and do battle. We are partners. So let's partner together. Let's take this next time and say, we want to be like Christ. May we not be like the disciples. And we say, this is an important time. Let's pray intensely. Let's pray to our God, our Father. Let's pray continually. And let's bring all those requests on those sheets and maybe some other ones that you have that you want to share with somebody around you. We can spread out if you need to, if you feel like it's all too close and you want other areas. But let's go to prayer. Let's spend time in prayer this evening, beseeching the Lord and doing battle and uplifting one another.